The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, folks, here for the New York Giants post-game show as the Giants fall to 0-1 after a loss to the Denver Broncos, 27-13. A game that was, frankly, a bit underwhelming at various points. Uh, throughout overall just super super frustrating Chris and the the one key takeaway that I have from this before we we get to some individualized things from this 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 game it just felt like we were watching the same stuff that we watched early in the season last year where the offense could not run the football so they threw the ball way too many times way more times than they needed to Daniel Jones as he should not be the person doing this had to basically do a lot to just keep the offense moving and then on top of that the defense was on the field way too much and as a result that leads to them getting worn down at the end of the game a big rushing play like the one we saw from Melvin Gordon is a perfect example of them just being worn down from being on the field for 35 minutes compared to the Giants 24 minutes but I I hate to say this and and I'm not trying to be overly negative but it, it just, for me, it, it feels like we're watching a game from last season uh, in the first few uh, few weeks of the year. Yeah, it really did feel familiar. Yeah, there were some bright spots to be seen, some bright, you know, some positives to be taken from it. Uh, say, we'll get to it, but I'd say Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay are two of the biggest positives. But then there were just so much sloppy play. Uh, the Defense breaking at just the wrong time. Uh, the offense just never being able to find any traction at all. And, you know, just some really terrible penalties exactly when they didn't need them. And it was just really a lot of the same things we saw from last year. Yeah, and the, the score for me is super weird because like 27 to 13 doesn't really feel indicative of how close this game was at halftime and how close this game was in the first quarter. And I think that that lead obviously expands with that 70-yard rushing touchdown that Melvin Gordon had, but this game was pretty close, and it, it played out the way that we expected it to play out, what, which you know was along the lines of a, a close-fought defensive battle, and then whoever basically can break off one big play or dominate the time of possession, which was the Denver Broncos, was going to win this football game. Yeah, Denver did both. And the time of possession going into the fourth quarter was just absolutely lopsided. At that point, 
they had the ball 30 minutes to 15 minutes. You know, they had possessed the ball for twice as long as the Giants had through the first three quarters. You know, that is ju- that is just tough to beat when the opposing offense is basically suffocating your own offense or conversely your defense just cannot get off the field. Yeah, you know, the Giants defense did do a good job of keeping things close. Yeah, you know, the Broncos got in the red zone. They were knocking on the door of the or sorry, they got into the red zone. They were knocking on the door of the end zone four times in the first half and only managed to come away with 10 points. You had the Logan Ryan forced fumble. Uh, I believe the Giants had, or <clears throat> sorry, yeah, the Giants managed to hold them to a field goal on that first down or on that first attempt. So it, the defense did what it needed to do to start the game. But when they're on the field just that long in you know 80 degree heat, they're going to get tired. And that's basically what happened. Yeah. And one of the ways that they were able to basically wear them down is just effectively using the run game. And I point to the opposite side of things for the Giants run game. They did not do an effective job whatsoever in establishing the run and then also creating chunk plays with the run. And we know that this, this Giants team is just not going to have success unless they can pick up a few good chunk plays or at least have better than three yards per carry. They only rushed for 60 yards in this game, and the leading rusher in it was Daniel Jones, who goes six for 27. That is very reminiscent of what we've seen in the past with Daniel Jones and this Giants offense, where they completely bottle up Saquon Barkley, and as a result, it leads to 37 passing attempts and some mistakes because Daniel Jones is trying to do too much. I also want to pinpoint and and talk about here for a sec, Chris. It, It felt like and I don't think this is too out of pocket for anybody who's tuning into this live or, or, or afterwards. I think that Saquon Barkley was very timid in this game. I don't think that he was playing the same way that we've seen him play when he was previously, uh, you know, before the, the ACL injury. I'm not saying that he's, he's damaged goods and that he's not fully repaired. I think his knee's completely fine, but I, I feel as though he had limited time to get ready to be in football shape and be ready to take on a full load of carries and touches. So they gave him some limited action. They saw that he wasn't picking up a lot of yards. And just overall, I, I felt like he he looked like he wasn't really ready to get hit. I'm, I'm not giving him a hard time because it's, it is very, very hard to come back from an ACL and be fully ready to go. It is one of the most difficult injuries to recover from, but it was pretty clear that the run game was just not going to get established against a team that is a very good defensive front when Saquon just was not really mentally prepared. It might take him four to six weeks until he's back to normal. Of course, I'll probably say that and he'll rush for 200 yards next game, but it's probably (laughs) going to take some time. Yeah, you know, that is one of the things that people are always a little slow to remember with, you know, significant injuries like that is the last bit to recover is between the years. You have to get almost an unconscious confidence in your body that you are not going to break. You know, we were talking, you know, just before the end of the game, and I mentioned, you know, we got some end zone views of Barkley, you know, from him behind. And I noticed when he was trying to cut, if you think back to, you know, even before the ankle injury a couple years ago, you know, he would drop down and he would almost be squatting on the ground and then explode in a different direction. You know, today, he was not lowering his hips when he went to cut. You know, he wasn't running behind his pads. 
and it's just it really did seem you know, like i'm not sure i want to go to calling him timid but he looks like a guy who just took his first hits from teammates this past week yeah and, and that's something that was unavoidable it's going to take time for him to be really back and ready to take full contact, to take a full load of 20 carries. And I still stand by the fact that this team is going to establish success and be successful based on how well they run the football. We saw that last year when Saquon wasn't even available and it was Wayne Gallman who was putting up all those rushing yards. If they run the football well, things are, are taken off the shoulders of of uh, Daniel Jones and it makes things a lot easier. But this was pretty clear that just reminding us that if they can't get some type of run game established and you remove those rushing yards that Daniel Jones had or, or like 40 yards rushing is not going to generate any type of success. No, I Thursday night, the Dallas Cowboys were able to almost beat the Buccaneers, you know, just barely running the ball, but yeah, their offense is built differently they're they're built right now to throw the ball the giants aren't the giants want to win with the running game and it's worth noting that even devonta booker you know he actually looked pretty good running the ball he just didn't have anywhere to go another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. He also didn't get very many touches in this game. I almost almost wish they gave him a couple more touches because he can't really get anything going off of four carries. He only rushes for seven yards. So we've talked a little bit about this defense, and it's a really odd evaluation if you just look at the stats. I don't think they're, they're very explanatory of how well they performed. You remove that 70 yard touchdown that Melvin Gordon had after they were com- clearly completely gassed, they only allowed 90 yards rushing. They played a really, really good game against the uh, the Broncos' run game, and then it ends up getting blown up because of that rushing play. But, I mean, overall, I thought that they looked pretty, pretty good. There's some inconsistencies, as we know, from the pass rush. They did have six quarterback hits. They did have two sacks, which is great, as always, to see. But I, I think what's apparent is that because the pass rush is inconsistent and that they basically need some of these guys to manufacture uh, you know, pressure, like what they did with Logan Ryan on, on the one Leonard Williams sack. like That required some serious scheming just to get some pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. I think on other plays, though, it felt like he was completely untouched, which allowed a, a pretty below-average athlete and a, an average quarterback to, to create some quality plays. Yeah, the... Pass rush, again, it looked very familiar from last year where the Giants defense 
plays from the back forward. You know, the what pass rush they were able to generate, it was either based on the coverage of the secondary or Patrick Graham just scheming up pressures with, you know, stunts, twists, blitzes, you know, bringing guys, bringing extra pressure. And that was really the only way they were able to consistently move Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater off of his spot. Yeah. Hopefully Aziz Ojolari will, you know, as he gets more experience, he will pick things up. Uh, hopefully Lorenzo Carter, as he gets, you know, further away from his own injury, he'll start to contribute on the other side. Yeah, and Aziz Ojolari, too, you got to pinpoint that one stupid play that he made, and that's just a, a total rookie mistake. You don't have your hands up and aim for a quarterback's head like that when the ball's coming out of his hand. That's just simple stuff that you got to be aware of uh, and control your own body. And, and like that, I think that's like the, the, the perfect anecdote to describe how the pass rush was because they're in the right position they're, They They could have done more, but then they do something stupid. And then they also make mistakes like that. And specifically Ojolari though, you can't, you can't make a play like that, man. No. And I, I'd also had Darnay Holmes and his late hit out of bounds to tack on an extra 15 yards just to help the Broncos offense out that much more. Yeah, the Giants were just having such a hard time getting off the field that you know, they didn't need to give the Broncos any more extra chances or hidden yards than they had to. So the one thing I'm going to say here, there actually there's two things that I think we'll consistently talk about each week, which is the offensive line and the, and the new look receiver group until we have a full definition of what to expect from both. For me, Chris, the, the receivers here, I, I was a bit disappointed. Sterling Shepard had a fantastic game. He gets some garbage time yards, but he had a number of really big plays when, you know, earlier in the game to put them in some really good positions to maybe score some points, some big first downs that he picked up. And we're basically being reminded that, hey, Sterling Shepard's not going to be your number one receiver, but if you put some other guys around him, he is going to get open and he's going to make some big chunk 10, 15 yard plays like we saw today. But Kenny Galladay didn't really get a whole lot from him. He only has four receptions. And then Kadarius Tony completely non-existent. He registers in the box score two receptions for negative two yards. That, to me, is highly disappointing. So I, I don't mean to be overly harsh, but for a group that was spent a lot of capital on that we've talked about the entirety of this offseason, we are going to keep talking about them until they continue to produce or at least produce at all. Yeah, I'll say Galladay made some very nice catches in the fourth quarter when they really didn't mean anything. Yeah. It was nice to see him win those contested catch situations, uh, lay out, make the fingertip grab, but they needed him in the, in the first half or even into the third quarter. And it, it if they're going to be paying him as much as they are, he needs to show up a lot sooner. Sterling Shepard, he looks like himself again, now that he is allowed to play in the slot. Yeah. That was, I think, maybe the biggest thing that Galladay's presence did was it let Sterling Shepard do what he is best at, you know, run those intermediate routes, make plays after the catch, you know, be dependable on third down, keep the chains moving, keep the offense ahead of schedule at times. And then, you know, run after catch. He had that really nice touchdown. You know, that I think was the play of the game for the giants. But like you said, where was everybody else? I wasn't expecting a whole lot from Kadarius Tony. I would have liked to have seen more schemed 
touches for him, but I guess maybe the flow of the game got away from them. Uh, we also need to talk about Darius Slayton. I don't know what happened with him. He's always had issues with drops, but he was targeted seven times. He only caught the ball three times. And I think each of those other four t- four targets were drops. And they came in just bad situations. Right. And you point out that the, you know Kenny Galladay gets some of his yards in garbage time at the end of the game where they're just trying to score, make the final score a little bit closer so it doesn't look like they get blown out. But the thing that was a concern going in with Kenny Galladay is a lack of ability to separate. And what I saw today is a guy who cannot separate. He really could not create. You're talking about contested catches. You see a guy who's got guys draped all over him. He needs to create a little bit more separation than he was doing in this game. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's a good thing that he is good at winning those contested catch situations because he seems to find find himself in them a lot. Right, right. Uh, hopefully we get a little bit more from this receiver group in the second game. It's only the first game, so I, I don't think we're necessarily in panic mode right now. It takes time to establish some chemistry, especially when none of these guys even played together in the preseason. Saquon didn't play at all. Kadarius Tony didn't really play at all. Actually, I don't even think he played at all. Darius Slayton's really the only guy that got out there, so it's going to take some time until these these guys are comfortable. Yeah, well, that's what Galladay said before the season started. It, you know, they, there's probably going to be a slow start while they all get onto the same page. And, you know, they were going against a team which, yeah, the, the Broncos made their own mistakes. They had some dumb plays. They had some broken plays. But they were on the same page. Yeah, their offense was more or less firing. Uh, credit to Pat Shermer for a really nice game plan. He schemed that offense up well. But I think the the reps they had in preseason together showed you know, they looked more ready to play. I, I never thought on this podcast we would be, or I guess live stream now that we're doing this live hey. on YouTube, uh, I, I never thought we would be patting Pat Shermer on the back for a good scheme which uh, we, we never did that when he was the the head coach for the giants and here we are yeah. <laughs> saying positive things and for a it, guy who beats him it, <laughs> it's almost ironic i suppose because it was his schemes as the vikings offensive coordinator that got him the giants head coaching job so i guess he's yeah. just not a head coach he's just an offensive coordinator yeah the the irony definitely is there so last thing i just want to hit on before i, I wrap us up here chris offensive line i think needs to get some recognition I'm not saying that they played a perfect game. I'm not saying that they were uh, you know, miles ahead of where they were last year. But to be facing the group that they went against today and to only allow five quarterback hits and the two sacks that were allowed to Von Miller, I, I think that's a pretty good performance by that, that Giants offensive line. It's not perfect. I'm not saying that they played exceptional, but it, it's better than I think that what we expected because we were super worried going into this game not really knowing what to expect. They just couldn't move the ball on the ground, but in terms of pass rush reps, they had, they had a, overall a quality performance. I would I would designate it at that. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what Next Gen Stats says about basically how close the Broncos were to Daniel Jones. Yeah, Early on, I thought they were getting a lot more penetration than the Giants were probably comfortable with, but... Once the offense got into a rhythm and they were able to start hitting those quick passes, Jones started to look a little bit more comfortable in that pocket. You know, the 
the offensive line started to hold up a little bit better. And I think that's going to have to be really the basis of the passing game going forwards. You know, Jason Garrett might want to push the ball downfield, but I think he's going to have to be patient with it. He's going to have to wait for his chance to call shot plays. They're, they're going to have to run a quick timing offense just for, at least for the time being. I, I also just want to throw out there. I found it, bit interesting that they went with uh, Ben Bredesen at left guard. I was not expecting that. I was expecting, fully expecting Shane Lemieux, and it seems like we saw a good amount of Bredesen out there. Yeah, I think they had their, again, I'll be interested to see what the snap counts say. I think the Giants had their the same kind of offensive line rotation they had last year because Matt Parrott got on at times, and I think they were kind of platooning, again, like they did last year, Matt Parrott and Ben Bredesen as substitutes for Shane Lemieux and Nate Solder. Which is strange and is going to be tough to build some chemistry, but this offense continues to create some question marks for us. Folks, that's going to be it from us. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel where you're watching this live or if you're listening to the post-game podcast version, be sure to hit the subscribe button as well and also head to bigblueview.com for more post-game analysis. We'll be coming at you soon on on Thursday. We've got already our first Thursday night game, and it's going to be exciting to see them play the Washington football team. Quick turnaround. Let's go. Quick turnaround. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll talk to you soon.